Okay, super church for everybody, third grade and under. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 26 with me again this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 26 with me again this morning. We, uh, we've been walking through the book of Matthew for the last three years. Uh, I went back and looked. We started this series on August 9th, 2020. And uh, it's been kind of a battle to walk through and continue to stay in a book. I know it's not so easy sometimes for you. I'm sure there's a few of you with the thought, I just wish you'd get out of this and, you know, do something different. But, but God, he's just not let me do that just kind of a place where he's kind of wrestled me always back to this place of finishing through the gospel of move this way. I mean, we'd been in some COVID stuff, you know, uh, COVID would move this way. I mean, we'd been in some COVID stuff, you know, uh, COVID was, was a, was a really rough time spiritually for college heights. And for many, I mean, gosh, I don't know that I'd ever seen in the 21 years I've been here, a time where more people had pretty rough spiritual attitudes, judgmental towards one another, selfish, demanding their rights, I mean, twisted up about this and that and politics and all. I mean, it was just a rough time spiritually. And we kind of dealt with some of that stuff because out for our worldly views, we need to be called out for our selfishness. We just do. We can't live there and walk out for our worldly views. We need to be called out for our selfishness. We just do. We can't live there and walk with Christ. And so we kind of dealt with that. And I was just really praying, you know, Lord, where do you want us to be in? We'll go and just spend time coming back to the foundation of Jesus. We'll go and just spend time coming back to the foundation of Jesus Christ. There is no other foundation. I know we really want there to be sin. We want there to be other things to give us hope and to give us peace. And we look all over this world, don't we? We want there to be other things to give us hope and to give us peace. And we look all over this world, don't we? Life. We look to relationships. We look to money. We look to politics. We look to education. Life. We look to relationships. We look to money. We look to politics. We look to education. I mean, we look to strength. We look to all kinds of things to give us stability, deniable peace. But it won't be found anywhere but Christ. Deniable peace. But it won't be found anywhere but Christ. It will not be found. It cannot be found. Nothing is going to give us that. And so we have been, we've taken some time off for Christmas or Easter. Last week I preached a sermon God put on my heart. We have been, we've taken some time off for Christmas or Easter. Last week I preached a sermon God put on my heart, a little different than this. But but for the most part, we've been here and we're getting through this part and we won't be done in a few weeks. Let's just put it that way. But we're getting there. But here's the thing. We won't be done in a few weeks. Let's just put it that way. But we're getting there. But here's the thing. Are we learning anything? I mean, we've been in this thing learning about who Jesus is and how he loves people. We've been in this thing learning about who Jesus is and how he has power to heal and power to calm the seas and power to raise the dead. We've been in this thing seeing Jesus deal with rebellious people, hateful people. I mean, we've been in this thing just watching Christ 
resolutely walk to the cross and teach his disciples that he's got to go and be arrested and be crucified and on the third day rise again and watch them. So we looked at the first part of chapter 28 about, you know, how they planned to kill Jesus. We looked at the first part of chapter 28 about, you know, how they planned to kill Jesus and how the chief priests were plotting how they could arrest him and how they could kill him and about that because that money could have been spent for the poor and Jesus said leave her alone she's done a good thing for me she's prepared me about that because that money could have been spent for the poor and Jesus said leave her alone she's done a good thing for me she's prepared me for my death for burial and how she was worshiping him for who he was and worshiping him for what he was going to do I mean we get to this place and I mean I hope you realize and I mean we get to this place and I mean, I hope you realize the Bible, and, and quite honestly, some of you, you, you've read the Bible, maybe you've read the Bible a few times, Bible, and, and quite honestly, some of you, you, you've read the Bible, maybe you've read the Bible a few times, completely cover to cover. Chances are most of us in here haven't read the Bible cover to cover, but even then we become a little bit, same old story. Do you not know the magnitude of what's happening as we read this book? Same old story. Do you not know the magnitude of what's happening as we read this book? This is God who's become a man. He's lived a sinless life. His whole purpose is to save sinners like me and like you. He's coming to this place now where, I mean, all the spiritual warfare is just raging against him. I mean, these guys are plotting to kill the Son of God, the sinless Savior, the one who loves them. I mean, his own man is, house is happening, betrayal is happening, and, and we're watching Christ walk through this, house is happening, betrayal is happening, and, and we're watching Christ walk through this for the salvation of the world, and we kind of go, ah, man, be careful. Letting to know him. And if you're not growing in who he is in your life, then I'm promising to know him. And if you're not growing in who he is in your life, then I promise you, anxiety, man, it's coming, isn't it? Disability, it's coming. It's not already there. Disability, it's coming. It's not already there. If it's not already the hallmark of your life, an inability to have life, if it's not already the hallmark of your life, an inability to have life in the midst of chaos, just chaos. And so many of us, we're just waiting, just chaos. And so many of us, we're just waiting for the chaos to end so we can find peace in different circumstances. And the chaos is thus you know him. So as we read this morning, would you really sincerely pray lest you know him? So as we read this morning, would you really sincerely pray, Lord God, help me know you. I need you. Matthew 26, verse 17. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, go into the city to a certain man and say to him, the teacher says, my time is near. 
I am to keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. The disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. Now when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve disciples. As they were eating, he said, Truly I say to you that one of you will betray me. Being deeply grieved, they each one began to say to him, Surely not I, Lord. And he answered, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. The Son of Man is to go, just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that rabbi. Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread. Rabbi, Jesus said to him, You have said it yourself. While they were eating, Jesus took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. After singing a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. And raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away and raised, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. But Peter said to him, Even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you that this very night with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing too. That's with you. I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same thing too. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. The stability that it gives us because it points us to you. It points us to our glorious God who created us, who loves us, who knows us, who cares so deeply for us that he gave you to be the sacrifice for our sins that all who would believe in you should not perish but have everlasting life. What a great God you are. And we need you. I ask you would open our hearts to your word this morning. Speak to us, each one, personally and intimately. And I pray that you'll receive glory. This, I don't know, kind of a crazy little passage of scripture. This, I don't know, kind of a crazy little passage of scripture. Uh, there's just so much to it. I mean, it begins pretty simply. You know, we see the disciples asking Jesus, where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal? Jesus telling them, go find this certain man. Tell him that we need your house. We're going to eat the Passover there. I mean, Jesus is in control, and they go and they do that. It's, a, it's an exciting time for them. The Passover was service, if you will, high holy day, whatever you want to call it, because it meant so much to Israel. Right, the service, if you will, high holy day, whatever you want to call it, because it meant so much to Israel. Right, the Passover was literally the time where God had done these nine miracles in Egypt and kept telling Pharaoh, let my people go. And finally, it's the 10th time for God to display his power in Egypt. And he tells Pharaoh, all the firstborn of Egypt, man and animal, going to die. They're going to die. And God says to Moses, you tell the people of Israel, take an unblemished lamb, one with no faults, not sick, not broken. And you tell them to sacrifice that lamb, and you take the blood, and tomorrow morning you're leaving. And the reason the blood was put over the doorpost and the lintel was tomorrow morning you're leaving. And the reason the blood was put over the doorpost and the lintel was so that when the death angel came, 
instead of taking all the firstborn of Israel like he would in Egypt. It was so powerful and devastating to Egypt that they literally, it was so powerful and devastating to Egypt that they literally drove Israel out of Egypt and gave them gold and silver and clothing. And literally the Bible says that they looted the Egyptians and God drove them out. Great victory and deliverance from slavery. But it was such a powerful picture for the Israelites that they always want to even in Luke twenty two fifteen, 15, it says, Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. So even in Luke twenty two fifteen, 15, it says, Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. It was something that Jesus wanted to do. But what's really interesting to me about these verses is that this is Thursday. This is Thursday. We find ourselves there. Jesus is going to die on Friday. But the Passover wasn't observed on Thursday night. It was a time for them to worship. And Jesus is saying to these guys, get ready to observe the Passover. It was a time for them to worship. And Jesus is saying to these guys, get ready to observe the Passover tonight. Now, mind you, it's an interesting time because in Jewish culture, Friday night at dark is where they start the Sabbath rest till Saturday night at dark, right? So this Friday night at dark is where they start the Sabbath rest till Saturday night at dark, right? So this is actually Friday night, but it's not Sabbath. They weren't going to celebrate the Passover. John 18, 28 makes that really clear. It says, then they led Jesus from Caiaphas into the praetorium. It was early and they themselves did not enter into the praetorium so that they would not be defiled, but might eat the Passover. That's Friday morning. They haven't eaten the Passover yet. They're going to eat it Friday night. So the religious leaders wouldn't go before Pilate and defile themselves in front of a Gentile. So it's not typical. But what is incredible, something new, something new is going to happen. We'll see that in a minute in this passage of Scripture. But it's also this incredible thing new, something new is going to happen. We'll see that in a minute in this passage of Scripture. But it's also this incredible understanding that on Friday where all of Israel, hundreds of years, they would take that unblemished lamb as a family and the father would kill that lamb hundreds of years. They would take that unblemished lamb as a family and the father would kill that lamb and they would still take the Passover meal in remembrance of what God has done for them. Friday, the lamb of God was going to give his life for us. It's an incredible thought that Jesus would share this change of what's Passover lamb. There'd never be another one needed for all the Passover lamb. There'd never be another one needed for all those years. They knew they were going to go on that Friday before they observed the Passover lamb. They were going to kill a lamb year after year after year after year because it was never enough. It was never enough to wash away their sins. But this day, the next day after this observance, Christ was going to finish it. The mold was not enough. And we'll see more about that in a minute. So they prepare the meal. The mold was not enough. And we'll see more about that in a minute. So they prepare the meal. And then it says, when evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the 12 disciples. And as they were eating, 
He said, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. And being deeply grieved, that each one began to say to him. I mean, here's this intimate setting where Christ is with his closest 12 disciples. I mean, here's this intimate setting where Christ is with his closest 12 disciples. These men knew him. They'd walked with him, sweated with him. They'd learned from him, loved him. And they're in this intimate setting where they, they're celebrating the deliverance of God, loved him. And they're in this intimate setting where they, they're celebrating the deliverance of God. And all of a sudden, Jesus just looks at them and says, one of you will betray me. You know, all of us, when we, when we walk through life, we want the most casual, the most, you know, all of us, when we, when we walk through life, we want the most casual, the most comfortable, the easiest, the most peaceful, you know, the most controlled life we can have, don't we? We don't want chaos. We don't want heartache. We don't want trials. We don't want hurt. We don't want to be betrayed. We don't want to have people treat us poorly and treat us wickedly. We, 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 we struggle to find hope. And we struggle to find friends. We, we struggle to find hope. And we struggle to find peace. Isn't that true? But here's the Savior's. It's less than 24 hours. It's the evening now. It's after dark now. It's less than 24 hours. It's the evening now. It's after dark now. He's going to die on the cross at 9 o'clock in the morning. He's hours from his death. He knows it's coming. And of all the things that you would want to have to deal with when you're actually becoming the sacrifice for sins in the world is to deal with betrayal. And yet, here's Jesus. He's dealing with betrayal. Do you think, honestly, that that you and I can just skate through this world without dealing with hard things? I mean, so many of us, when hard things come, the first thing we say is, why God, and where are you, God, and why don't you fix this, God, and why would we have to go through this, God, as if hard things are difficult or, or strange or uncommon to us. They're not uncommon, They're not going to be uncommon. This is a broken world. It's full of sin. You think if Jesus doesn't have betrayal, we won't have betrayal too? You think we can actually get through this world? You think if Jesus doesn't have betrayal, we won't have betrayal too? You think we can actually get through this world? Because that's really what we're striving for. So many of us are not striving for God. We're not believing that he is the answer for us. We're looking for answers in every place but Christ sometimes. Believing that he is the answer for us. We're looking for answers in every place but Christ sometimes. And Jesus is not surprised he knew it was guised by this at all. He's dealing with it all the way to the end. Guised by this at all. He's dealing with it all the way to the end. And so the disciples there are beside themselves. Surely not I, Lord. But listen to what Jesus says. He says, He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. And it makes it so personal. At the same time, Jesus did, and maybe he did, but it's not really the point. The point is that these, at the same time, Jesus did, and maybe he did, but it's not really the point. The point is that these men were so intimate with him that they were eating with him. They were in that. 
I mean, these guys were shocked because they believed they were that intimate with Jesus. I mean, these guys were shocked because they believed they were that intimate with Jesus, but Judas wasn't. He wasn't. Jesus, after Judas has left, Judas brings the crowd back to arrest Jesus, and he actually comes up, and after Judas has left, Judas brings the crowd back to arrest Jesus, and he actually comes up to Jesus, and Jesus calls him friend. Friend, do what you came here to do. I mean, Jesus loved Judas. Don't you think he didn't? But Judas did not love him, even though it was such an intimate situation for him. And then Jesus says something that I pray we'll hear. I mean, I pray we'll hear it. Verse 24 says, The Son of Man is to go just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. So casual with people who don't know Jesus. So casual with people who don't know Jesus. We're so casual. We got neighbors. We got coworkers. We got friends. We got, uh, they're pretty nice to me. I don't really want to say hard things. Uh, they're pretty nice to me. I don't really want to say hard things to them because, you know, they're so nice to me. They're, they're a nice person. They, they've never claimed Christ, but, you know, they're probably, did you know that's not true? Did you know? Did you know that's not true? Did you know greatest sin? It's not adultery. It's greatest sin. It's not adultery. It's not murder. It's not any of the things you want to put in that slash in your pride, when you refuse Christ in your independence, when you reject Christ because you want your, in your pride, when you refuse Christ in your independence, when you reject Christ because you want your way and not his way, when you say no to the salvation that's so freely given to you by our eternal condemnation, eternal wrath by God, our eternal condemnation, eternal wrath by God against you rejecting him. Jesus said it would have been, he wouldn't have rejected Christ, and if he hadn't rejected Christ, he would not be eternally condemned. He wouldn't have rejected Christ, and if he hadn't rejected Christ, he would not be eternally condemned. Because nothing is worse than that. Nothing. Here's this this gut-wrenching truth that Christ is having to deal with even as he's hours from the cross, and yet you and I, we're so casual with it that we don't really want to speak to people. We don't really want to address people. We don't really want to share Christ with people. We, we'd rather just, you know, let them die and experience eternal torment which they deserve. And they don't deserve it more than we do, and they don't deserve it less than we do. We all deserve it. He's about to give his life. He's about to become our sin. 
He's about, he's about to give his life. He's about to become our sin. He's about to die and suffer the wrath of God on our behalf. And he's, his eyes are fixed on the Father. His eyes are fixed on fulfilling God's will. He still has. His eyes are fixed on the Father. His eyes are fixed on fulfilling God's will. He still has and betrayal. Can that be us? Us and betrayal. Can that be us? Oh, you better believe it. It can be us. Of it. I mean, there is peace available when our lives are focused on Jesus Christ. Of it. I mean, there is peace available when our lives are focused on Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what the hardships are. It doesn't matter what the trials are. It doesn't matter how... Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You see, that's why we wrestle through a gospel for three years. That's why we wrestle the more our hope is secure. Well, Christ, the more our hope is secure. Well, Christ, he finishes and Judas says, who was betraying him, surely it's not I, Rabbi. (laughs) Gotta be a touch of sarcasm in there. And Jesus said, you have said it yourself. He wasn't missing Judas He knew Judas had gone to the chief priest and said, what will you give me to betray him? He knew Judas was looking for his opportunity to betray him. He knew he didn't miss Judas. And he's not going to miss anybody here either. He's not. God is not inconsiderate. God is full of grace. And God is, if you think you can reject him and go unnoticed by him, you're mistaken. If you think you can reject him and go unnoticed by him. You're mistaken. Don't miss him. Don't reject him. Don't. Do you really know him? Have you really humbled yourself before him? Do you really know him? Have you really humbled yourself before him? Have you told him you can't save yourself? Have you told him? The night... Kind of turns a little bit. Verse 26, while they're eating, the night kind of turns a little bit. Verse 26, while they're eating, my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sins. And Jesus is in there with the disciples, and there's kind of a a program, if you will. And Jesus is in there with the disciples, and there's kind of a a program, if you will, to the Passover meal. How many of you have ever seen a Seder meal displayed? Amazing, really. But they would have had, if you will, a program. The father would stand up, and he would say, "So amazing, really." But they would have had, if you will, a program. The 
father would stand up and he would say certain things and they would eat at certain times and they would drink at certain times. But basically what it was is that the father would stand up the deliverance and the glory and the power and all that God had done and show how that all worked. And this the deliverance and the glory and the power and all that God had done and show how that all worked in this display through the Passover meal. But instead of all that, Jesus, in place of that, takes the bread and said, this is my body. He's talking about his body that was going to be sacrificed on the cross. Take and eat of this. Then he says, takes the cup and he gives it to them. He says, drink from it, all of you. And it's really this beautiful symbolism. I mean, the body or the bread and the wine are symbolism. It's connecting it so that they would understand how important it was to take part in his death. It's connecting it so that they would understand how important it was to take part in his death, right? To believe in him, to trust him, to actually internalize the fact that his self, not our intelligence, not where we're born, not who our family is, not who our heritage, not our intelligence not where we're born, not who our family is, not who our heritage is, none of that, none of that. His life kind of sums it up in this powerful little thought because he he says, for this is my blood of the covenant. Kind of sums it up in this powerful little thought because he, he says, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And he talks about the fact that this covenant This new covenant, this different thing that he's doing on this Thursday night at a different time and a different way through this process, this covenant is my blood in my new way for salvation to come, a new way to have a relationship with the living God, and that new way is through Christ Jesus, a new way for salvation to come, a new way to have a relationship with the living God, and that new way is through Christ Jesus himself. Now, I love this beautiful picture because we need to see it. I mean, the old covenant was the law Moses took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Moses took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. So Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold their journey. When they've been brought out of, out of Egypt, they have come to the Mount Sinai. God's given Moses their journey. When they've been brought out of, out of Egypt, They have come to the Mount Sinai. God's given Moses the law. He's given Moses the Ten Commandments. And this is the covenant that God made with them. And they were called to be obedient to that covenant. But they didn't. The law was never given for them to be obedient in. The law was given to show that they couldn't keep. The law was never given for them to be obedient in. The law was given to show that they couldn't keep it. And yet so many of us in this room, honestly, we really do think that if you have been obedient to God every day, every way, every time, every situation, if you have been obedient to God every day, every way, every time, every situation, raise your hands. None of us, because we can't, because we sin, because we're sinners, Because when sin entered into the world, it spread to every single one of us and still does to this day. And yet so many of us are clinging to some false hope that says, I'm good. Many times it's, I'm better than somebody else, therefore I must be okay. 
I've done this, I've done that. Yeah, I've got a few flaws, but those few flaws shouldn't keep me from being in heaven. You've got to be kidding me. For us, if we're going to do works to try to please God, our works are like filthy rags before God. For us, if we're going to do works to try to please God, our works are like filthy rags before God, the Bible says. And so Jesus says, I'm going to make a new coup. It's not something that you have to keep. It's a covenant that's new. It's not something that you have to keep. It's a covenant that says, through my blood, many will be forgiven of their sins. Did you hear that? Through Christ's blood, what he's done for us, many will be forgiven of their sins. Let me read a passage out of Hebrews 8 that explains it a little better. <coughs> Hebrews 8, 6 through 13. It says, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he also, for if that first covenant had been faultless, there would be no occasion sought for a second. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would be no occasion sought for a second. For finding fault with them, he says, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen, and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all will know me from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. When he said a new covenant, he's made the first obsolete, but whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. And on that night, as Jesus shared that, bre that bread and that, and that wine, he would come at the expense of my life on behalf of you. And come at the expense of my life on behalf of you. That all who would believe in me should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, the new covenant that he's missed is not based on knowledge. It's not based on any of that stuff. I had a miss. It's not based on knowledge. It's not based on any of that stuff. I had a man say to me this week, hey, I think I'm going to come by your church sometime. I won't tell you when. I'll just come by. And I said, okay. He goes, I said, why don't you come on over? You'll be in my realm then. I said, why don't you come on over? You'll be in my realm then. Because I was in his realm. So why don't you come on over and find out what the Bible has to say about you, Lutheran or not. God doesn't care what we know. He cares if we know Christ. Do you understand that? In him. And Jesus is there on that night. In him. And Jesus is there on that night. He's saying to them, this bread represents my body. This wine represents a new covenant. And every time we take the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do next week, the new covenant, and every time we take the Lord's Supper, which we're going to do next week, 
We come here not to go, yeah, I remember this or I remember that. We come here to go, look, it's his blood that brings forgiveness of sins. Look what Jesus did for us. It's his blood that brings forgiveness of sins. Look what Jesus did for us. 1 Corinthians 11 tells us that we proclaim his death until he returns. His death is our salvation, this glorious gift. And Jesus is bringing forth this hope in the midst of chaos and bringing forth this hope in this glorious gift. And Jesus is bringing forth this hope in the midst of chaos and bringing forth this hope in the midst of betrayal. It's all about him. And you and I know that and should know that and keep that in front of us no matter what's going on in our life. And it takes effort and it takes discipline. It takes time with the Lord. We've got to pray. We've got to read. We've got to join together and walk together and pray for each other. But man, keeping Christ in the middle of our lives is the only form of hope available in this world. There is no other. Not economic, not relational, not political just Christ. And hallelujah. Well, I love that it's not just even about that day. Well, I love that it's not just even about that day because he says, but I say to you, I'll not drink of the fruit of the vine of the, from now on until the day. No, this isn't over. I'm going to rise. I'm alive. I know. This isn't over. I'm going to rise. I'm alive. I'm going to have a place for you. I'm going to come again for you and receive it of myself that where I am there, you may be also. They go out to the garden. But the chaos isn't over. They go out to the garden. But the chaos isn't over. And think that God doesn't understand our chaos and God isn't involved in our chaos and God can't relate to our chaos. And think that God doesn't understand our chaos and God isn't involved in our chaos and God can't relate to our chaos. He can relate all the way because they get out to the garden and Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you will all fall away because of me this night. I can't even imagine. He says, because it's written, I'll strike down the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. And I can't imagine Jesus having to say that to the disciples. The men that should stand with him are not going to stand. No one is going to stand with him. No one. I can't imagine the disciples hearing that. And so Peter, always the one who speaks. And so Peter, always the one who speaks. Peter says, even though all may fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Say the same thing, I will never fall away. I'll never betray him. I'll never not stand with Christ. I'll give the same thing, I will never fall away. I'll never betray him. I'll never not stand with Christ. I'll give my life. Peter even says that later. Right? Good. Be careful. Because Jesus looked at Peter and said, truly I say to you, good. Be careful. Because Jesus looked at Peter and said, truly I say to you this very night before a rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And Peter ramps it up. 
Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And we know what happens, don't we? He did. It had to happen this way. He was going to stand. It had to happen this way. He was going to stand in for all of us. He needed to stand in fortifies for all of us. And even his closest, most intimate friends on earth for all of us. And even his closest, most intimate friends on earth didn't realize they couldn't do it. They couldn't stand. They couldn't do it. They wanted to, but they weren't going to be able to. And quite honestly, you and I need to be careful when we think we're some sort of stalwart follower of Christ that we could never fall because the Bible says be careful lest you who thinks he stands should fall and here we have this once again crazy picture of chaos and betrayal and truth I mean I really wonder what would have happened when Jesus said to the disciples hey all of you are going to be scattered tonight it's written that you would be if Peter hadn't stood up as representative of the rest of the apostles and said, if here we are, right? We, we have our life all planned. Here we are, right? We, we have our life all planned out in front of us. We know how to handle our circumstances. We know how to be strong in the Lord. We know how amazing we are to the place where we don't really want to depend on Jesus. Many of us not for salvation. Many of us not for the hardships and the hurts and the chaos and the betrayal. We don't want to depend on Jesus. But where was the hope in the midst of all this? But where was the hope in the midst of all this? Was it in these disciples taking care of themselves and standing for Jesus? No. Was it in relief of the dark? Was it in relief of the dark battle for the souls of men? No. The hope was in Christ. The hope was in Christ. He's going to the cross. He's going to give his life. Even then, not my will, but your will be done. He's going to the cross. Even then, not my will, but your will be done. He's going to the cross. And his salvation was going to bring life to all who believe sufficient grace and sufficient peace and sufficient strength to walk in sufficient grace and sufficient peace and sufficient strength to walk through this world of chaos and betrayal. Do you know him? Do you know him? It's not, it's not about showing off your greatness and your power and your glory and your wisdom. It's not about showing off how hard life has been for you so that other people can feel...
This is about what he's done for all of us. This is about victory. This is about deliverance. This is about what he's done for all of us. This is about victory. This is about deliverance. This was the Passover meal. Deliverance. Life. Through the Lamb of God. Do you know him? Because if you don't, he wants to save you. He wants to forgive you. He's willing. He gave his life for you. He'll forgive you. But you've got to come dependent on him. You've got to come trusting in him. You've got to come by faith. And if you know him, like my dad would say, and you've gotten too big for your britches, why don't you humble yourself again and say, Lord Jesus, what I need in this world is you. Why don't you humble yourself again and say, Lord Jesus, what I need in this world is you. Be what I need today. Let's pray.